Welcome to Sports Beat After Hours. The night is dark and full of terrors, and I am Hemahimuli Jr. We are joined, as always, with my local lovable Canuck, Zach Hicken. What's this we? Are you Legion? Oh my gosh, this is kind of terrifying you're talking about. You guys thought that we were done talking Game of Thrones, but at the very end of this pod, we're going to talk about the latest gossip with George R.R. Martin. Yeah. Big deal. He's dropping some uh, very interesting information. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. How he feels about how the series ended, (laughs) apparently. Because we also still have complicated feelings. Yeah, well, we're here... um, we're uh, brought to you by, powered by KSLSports.com. Mm-hmm. Make sure you guys subscribe, rate, review. Five stars Tell only. us how attractive you think we are based on our voices or unattractive. <laughs> um, uh, I would love to hear what people think of us. I don't know if my fragile ego could take that. Ah, bring it on. Okay, let's do it. Why not? You know what? If you can't make fun of yourself, then what's the point of living? You know? Roast us. Um, yeah, get, just get at us at KSLSports. Get Sports. in our DMs. Um, <laughs> Just destroy us. It'll be fine. Tell us that we suck at this podcasting venture thing. It's fine. Our more than fragile egos can handle it. No. Um, in all reality, check out kslsports.com. Good website. for Excellent website. Amazing. Excellent. Party on. Um, we got <laughs> high school coverage going on right now. We got yeah. college, fall camps. They're wrapping up. We got NFL, locals. Yes. If you guys want to know what... Um, any local, anyone with any tie to the state of Utah is doing. John Ursua. John Ursua. Remember when he played at Cedar High School? Yeah, well, guess what? He's with the Seattle Seahawks now, doing big things. Michael so, Davis. Michael Davis. Him? He got benched his senior year at BYU, <laughs> but you know what? doesn't matter. He's in the league now as a starter. Um, but yeah, check out kslsports.com. We got mm-hmm. you covered in every way. We're also going to have you guys covered. We're going to recap a little bit of fall camp. We're yep. going to talk a little bit about some of these locals in the NFL that are standing out. Yep. And... Uh, we also just talked about high school um, with Sam earlier this week with Sam Farnsworth. So check that out. We recapped week one of high school football. It's great. Football's back. We Ugh, love it. Love if it. you, um, I saw a tweet this week from Jeff Hansen. It's at Rakoto Ten. I love what he said. He said, "If you aren't doing anything on a Friday night, yes, go out and support your local high school team. It doesn't matter what." affiliation you have if you're an alum if you're not if you're from out of the area if you're new you know go to if your high school is nearby go to your high school as an alum or go support your community if you can't make it out to your high school that you have ties to um because you know what these kids deserve the community support and it's cool there's no feeling like it you have this tie invite your neighbors out it's cheap Um, yeah take your kids out if you don't have kids and take your wife if you're not married then get some of your buddies together and go. Yeah, but don't go by yourself because that's weird and creepy. No, it's fine. We go to high school games by ourselves <laughs> all the time, and we literally get paid to, to go do it. And it to film these children yes. playing sports. Uh, okay, that's getting weird now. <laughs> um, no, okay. So let me just say, you know, I I mentioned this on the last pod. I got to go to Camus to cover South Summit's football game. But what I didn't mention, which I should have, but I wasn't thinking about it, was there were some great little burger joints close to the school. That would have been cool for me to go to if I wasn't running so late. Yeah. But uh, if you guys have been to your local high school and seen sports and they have like local food or local joints that you think are pretty awesome. Send them to us. Yeah. DM us because we definitely want to eat there. Like we need places to go eat. Like yep. we can only eat Wendy's so many times, so many <laughs> weeks in a row. Um, I'm before we eventually go to McDonald's or Beto's. My sweat is literally... Uh, 
frosty juice. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> uh, no, but for real, like we want to, we want to, um, we want to kind of exemplify this community spirit. And for so, sure. if you guys have like a cool hangout that like you went to when you were in high school, or that your kids go to, or name one you went to. Uh, for Pleasant Grove, um, it was always JCW's or Taco Amigo. For some reason, we'd go to JCW's to go and like kind of egg on American Fork kids because JCW's <laughs> is an American Fork. <laughs> so like, if we had like a if we had like a big win over American Fork, we'd always go to JCW's. Okay. Um, but if not, like it was either Purple Tur- Purple Turtle or Taco Amigo. Um, just depending on like where your group of friends decided yeah. to go. Um, for me, I went yeah. to Viewmont High School. Our local hangout that was really good was Zaponi's Pizza. Um, No other place like it. So, yeah, hit us up at KSL Sports um, on Twitter. You know, hashtag SportsBeat After Hours. Just tell us where where we should go eat next. SB After Hours. Tell us where we should go, whether it's Art City Burgers or Taco Mm -hmm. Amigo or JCW's or wherever it may be. Just let us know because we want to uh, support – the local communities and just do something cool, do something fun for sure. Um, but let's talk about uh, a greater community. I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's talk about <laughs> college football because yeah, um, all of the local teams. I believe Utah State technically hasn't, but they held their last fall, scrimmage of fall camp. Right. Um, but I believe so. Utah wrapped up its fall camp. BYU is holding its last scrimmage on Wednesday. Utah State just held its last scrimmage. Um, so attention is now turning to game one. We are 10 days away. Game prep is starting. And so game prep starting. Um, and we have some big games, obviously, BYU-Utah to open up the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah State's facing Wake Forest. But um, we've had a lot of really interesting storylines come out of fall camp. Yeah. Um, whether it's, I mean, let, let's start down south at BYU okay. about what we're hearing down there. Um so let's start with the tight end group. Okay. Okay, because the tight end group may have been, depending on what you think, BYU's second or third um, deepest group entering the season. Yes. All of a sudden. It's probably the, the Hank Tui Pelotu tears his ACL in uh-huh. a non-contact injury. Moroni Laulupututau has been out dealing with academics and he also apparently has yet to be cleared to be practicing. I don't know if it's an academic thing or a health thing coming off that torn ACL. Right. But they don't know and it it could just be like a distraction. Sure. To say that hey, you know what? It's a divert diversion attempt by the coaching staff down at BYU to make yeah. um Utah prepare for not too tight end. Yeah, set, who knows? you know. So who knows what's going on? I know I've been down at BYU, and Moroni hasn't been out when I've been down. I haven't been down there for about a week. Mm-hmm. But also, it's definitely a concern. Yeah, and I also haven't heard about him doing much. You know, last year when he was practicing, people were talking about, oh, how good he looked, how good his hands were, how athletic, how mm-hmm. thin or uh, lean he looked. Um, it's radio silence. Yeah. So that's concerning. Yeah, well, and I uh, – uh, excuse me, Joe Tukuafu – who finally yeah. gets cleared? He's back in school at BYU. It's been like six years since he's played like a meaningful snap of football, so you don't really know what you're going to get there. But apparently, he has been held out of practice because of of uh, um, an injury. So, yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, this 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 part of the offense that you know they're inc- talking about running three tight end sets in some situations yeah. with an H back, and you know Matt Bushman leading the charge. We were supposed to have these great receivers slash. 
you know, extra blockers on the ends of the line. And now we've got Bushman and no number twos in sight. So that's definitely um, an issue. I don't know how they're going to solve that. Well, I I do think that one thing that they are going to do to combat that, they're going to run the ball more, I think. Okay. They have a really good offensive line. They're starting to figure out what that five-man rotation is going to be and kind of what the two deep, they're setting it up. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like they have three backs that have really separated themselves. Yes, and I'm really excited for this running back core. Like you know, you listeners know, I'm a big nerd when it comes to running backs, and BYU's running back core is the best that I've seen in like recent years. As a collective group, certainly. Um, when you you go back to the time, um, like Jamal's junior year when they had like. Uh, he, Algie Brown, Francis, or Francis Bernard actually wasn't part of the program his junior year. Um, cause that was 2015, but that was uh, even that 2015 group with Adam Hine and yeah. Algie Brown and Francis Bernard was pretty good. Um, but it's been, it's definitely been at least like four or five years since BYU's had like a good stable of backs. And it's like a mix of veteran leadership, um, seasoned transfers and young people that look really good that yeah. can carry the future. So I definitely thought after seeing Lapini Katoa, like he's the dude, he's looking lean, he's jacked, he, you know, he he's completely transformed himself. You see yeah. some of the work that he's put on that is going out um, with Jamal Willis that's mm-hmm. going out on social media. His footwork looks really good, but it's Tyson Williams who's kind of stepped up as the guy that like people are talking about, and it makes sense. Yeah, he's coming from an SEC school. Um, and they finally got a chance to see him in the first scrimmage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's the yeah. real deal. I mean, he was a four-star recruit out of high school, yeah. originally um, uh, recruited in North Carolina, and it's just he's been hampered by injuries throughout his college career. I think he's going to be the number one guy moving forward. Mm-hmm. But um, And then Emmanuel Asupa kind of rounds out that group, and he's, he's a little bit different back than um, these other two. He's a bigger bruiser guy. I think yeah. he's going to catch more balls out of the backfield. Not that... These other two can't. I think Lapini could very well. Yes. Um, but I I think that you're going to get a really nice one-two tandem between Williams and Katoa. And I think that's kind of how you counteract the um, the lack of experience that they now have find themselves with at the tight end position for this first game against Utah. Yeah. You have a really good offensive line, like I said. Mm-hmm. Get these guys in the trenches, have them bulldoze forward, and just get yards on the ground at you saw once BYU was unable to move the ball on the ground last year. Yeah. It shut down their play action. They were unable to um, get things going and sustain drives mm-hmm. against BYU or against Utah, excuse me, once Matt Hadley went down. Yeah. And I think um, Lapini and uh, Tyson are both upgrades. I love what Matt Hadley did last year for yes. BYU. He was great. He stepped up when they needed him to, but they're both upgrades over what he did last year as a senior. So yeah. um, I, I think that's how you counteract that. And that's, again, that's another storyline that we've seen out of BYU fall camp. Yeah. So my, my hope is that you're right. I hope that they utilize the backs more. I hope, I hope that Zach Wilson, how good he looks lives up to the hype. Word on the street is Zach Wilson's been putting in work in the off season, getting his arm right, getting back into throwing form. He hasn't been throwing much, um, at practice during fall camp. In fact, he I don't was know on if a pitch count pretty early. Sure. I don't know how that's changed. How it's been? Rest- Did he dress much? Have been lifted. Um, in what? Like, in, like if everyone was in full pads, was he in full pads? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's just on a pitch count. Basically, 
he'll run through a drill one or two times and then he's kind of done. And it's just to give him just not put as much strain on sure. his arm. Um, I, my hope is that that the, that's true. You know that he looks really good. He's been putting in work with pro football player, uh, pro quarterbacks. Yeah, Drew Brees. In the off season. He needs Zach's going to need to get his release. Um, he needs to be able to get rid of the ball fast, mm-hmm. make snap decisions. You know that he can make it work with his legs. You know that he's got an arm. Um, I am all drinking the Zach Wilson Kool Aid, but you know, you, talking about no tight ends, this kind of is my point. We play Utah with some of the best edge rushers in the country, mm-hmm. and not having that extra lineman's concerning. Yeah. Um. So if we're going to use utilize the run game. And utilize a receiver. Zach's going to be have he's going to have to be in tip top form in that first game of the season. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that all the smoke is true and that Zach Wilson can get rid of the ball fast. That he's mentally um, ahead of the game because that's another thing that people have said that Zach's been putting in work mentally, um, playbook wise, and stuff like that. So um, I don't know what else have you been hearing from Zach that's going to give me hope that he can get rid of the ball when we play Utah. Well, here's the thing, he. He put in work this offseason. You mentioned with professional quarterbacks. Uh-huh. He went out to California, worked with John Beck, Tom House. They're some of the best quarterback trainers in the country. I mentioned Drew Brees was out there working with him. Blake Bortles. Um, a number of guys out there putting in work with Tom House and John mm-hmm. Beck. Um, and we've seen a lot of BYU guys over the years um, train with those guys. I, I believe, if I'm correct, Tanner Mangum worked out with him a little bit. Okay. So did Taysom Hill. Um, but the thing that's just Zach Wilson's a different breed. Yeah. He, he's from that Max Hall, um, Jim McMahon, like cut from the same cloth of those guys who he's just gritty. Um, he's hungry. He's so competitive. He's got the edge. He's got that edge. Exactly. And so he talked about in other interviews where he said, I don't need a social life. Like, Football is my social life for the next four years. And you know what? Yeah. If if my teammates who are married, who have serious girlfriends or fiancés, they're engaged, you know, I want them to be in the film room with me. Sure. Make it a date night. Yeah. We can all buy dinner. <laughs> we can sit down and have dinner and watch film together because yeah. that's what I'm going to be doing. And I'm going to encourage my guys to do the same thing because I want them to do that. And during the off season, when he couldn't throw, that's what he was doing. He was watching film. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've talked to a number of people. Um, that kind of have told me stories about Zach and his grit and how competitive he is. He went through that film against Western Michigan, his 18 for 18 game, yeah. his perfect game. His quote unquote perfect game. And he picked apart his performance and was like, I need to improve here, here, here. He's I like, got bailed out here. Yes. There was a pass interference call here. I need to do this check down. My receiver made a great catch here. I should have gone here. This guy was right open. Uh-huh. He is picking apart this performance that people would ultimately be satisfied with yeah. the way that he played. Um, and he did the same thing with Utah. He's like, okay, I did this, this, and this against Utah that was really good in the first half. But you know what? In the second half, I throw the pick six to Julian Blackman. Here's where I should have gone instead. Right. And so having a guy who's not satisfied with his performance is just it, – it's kind of enlightening. I mean, That's like I great. said, for – as great as some of these other quarterbacks that BYU's had, Riley Nelson, his grit and his determination, his attitude, his, his the the way he carried himself with his confidence and poise and everything, 
Um, you know, I, I think Zach Wilson's a little bit more skilled than he is uh-huh. athletically. Taysom Hill, not quite as skilled as um, Zach, but like Taysom had other things going on. He had internships in the offseason. Um, yeah. It's just it's not a criticism. They're just different yes. quarterbacks that have different ways to focus on things. And they're allotting their time differently. And Zach is just he's a football junkie. And here's another thing that's, you know, a little more obvious and that I think is very important to point out in how Zach Wilson is different. Um, Zach didn't go on a mission. Now, let me preface this by saying I think I went on a mission. I didn't go on a mission. Yeah, you didn't I like where you're going with this. I think, you know, missions are great and everything, but it changes your focus on things. It changes your focus. You're two years um, out of peak physical condition. Let's be fair. You go on a mission for two years, you're not going to be in the same shape when you get back. No, what are you talking about? They send him away to go and train at Gold's <laughs> Gym for two years. Um, Zach's young. He's hungry. And I like that about it. And I think that not putting aside athletics for two years was a good choice. His perspective's different. Yeah. To him, football is everything. When you've gone out and served a mission, you know you have more of a perspective. You're helping unite people to something that you believe in and this cause that you have that's faith-based and, you know, family-oriented. And you want to return and kind of find that for yourself. You want to find a spouse. You want to start your family. You want to um, put everything into your education so you can provide for that family. We don't want you to do any of that. (laughs) We want you to win football games. Zach Wilson, we need you to win football games. Well, and I think that's what he wants to do. And it's not a criticism of anyone who went on a mission. Right. I think going on a mission ultimately, for the most part, helps a lot of people just in terms of even, you know, if if you're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or whatever after, or you decide to leave, you know, I think it sets people up for being able to manage their time, communicate, budget, um, get along with people like learn to work in strained relationships because when yeah. you're with a companion and granted, like I said, I'm prefacing this with, I didn't go on a mission. Yeah. I had my reasons. I chose not to, but I, 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 I don't discredit anyone who went on a mission because they learned a lot of things yeah. on their mission that helped prepare them for life. And we're not saying that either that you're going to be a sorry athlete when you come back because Taysom Hill went on a mission. No, there are a lot of guys that come back and can can get it going. But it's just I, – I, I get what you're saying. It's a but disadvantage. The, and I the think fire is different. Most people agree with that. Yeah. And so those are two big reasons, uh, aspects of Zach Wilson that have us both super excited for this upcoming season. Yeah. Um, despite not having seen, like, really – much of Zach Wilson this offseason. Yeah. Um, but let's switch, switch over to the uh, defensive side of the ball for the Cougars. Um, a couple of positions that people were kind of concerned about. So the defensive line's great yeah. for BYU. This is probably the best defensive line that they've had in the Independence era. Oh, They're wow. three deep at every position. Um, we we already know about Kyrus Tonga. Trajan Peely's great. Yeah. Devin Kafusi, Zach Daw. Um Zofawatea, like these, mm-hmm. this is a very good group. Yeah, um, I I like what they're going to be able to do. You have two established linebackers in Zane Anderson mm-hmm. and Isaiah Kafusi. I think Isaiah Kafusi is probably BYU's best defensive player. I... He could be BYU's best player, and we're going to get to actually yeah. our our top ten list. Um, that's a tease, <laughs> but they needed to find a middle linebacker to replace Sione Takitaki. And if you yeah. remember, Sione actually didn't even start the season last year as the middle linebacker he started out um at, at 
um, excuse me, he started at the will linebacker position, I believe. And then out of necessity, um, he was moved to middle linebacker. and was just a revelation there. Yeah. So the guys that they're looking at to replace him, Kavika Fanua, okay. who through the first week of fall camp, great reports. Apparently he had a great off season. He's healthy. He's a junior. So he has two years to play. Yeah. He got a year back. Um, but he's been out with a soft tissue injury. I, I'm hearing it's his calf. Okay. Um, so I don't know if he's back. The last I had heard was around scrimmage time. He hadn't scrimmaged, I believe. I hope I'm right on that. Okay. But he he was held out for some time. Peyton Wilgar is another guy that has stood out. Um, Max Tooley, a guy that you're familiar yeah. with. Um, and then Jackson Kafusi, Isaiah's younger brother. So those are kind of the four guys that I'm hearing are competing for that position. I, it sounds like we ran a, an interview with Isaiah Kafusi, um, part of it today on Sportsbeat, and um, Isaiah talked about Peyton Wilgar, that mm-hmm. he's a guy that will play in the league. Wow. He's a guy who started his career as a walk-on. Yeah. He entered the transfer portal after last season, but decided to come back because he used that to like get a scholarship from <laughs> BYU. And a lot of people are really high on him. Jackson Kafusi is another guy. Um, he picked BYU over Utah and Stanford. Um, and so if he's anything like his brother, if he gets an opportunity, he could definitely make the most of it. So sure. um, I, I'm not concerned about that middle linebacker position because I think that they have enough bodies there that they're going to figure something out. Yeah. Um, and when and let's be honest, work. when you have a front line on the defense like they have, you can probably count on the middle linebackers having an extra few seconds before a, a body's on them during the run of play. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to be absolutely fine. Um, one of the players that I'm looking forward to, um, Diane Gunwalaku. Gunwalaku. I still can't say that. Gunwalaku. Lake. Why did you change it? <laughs> Diane Lake. No, this dude is an athlete. Yeah. He's really good, um, really athletic. I think he could play at the next level. I'm looking forward to seeing him and see what he could do. And they're going to need his leadership in the secondary. Let's he, be he's the type of guy that's a difference maker, and he can play four different positions in the secondary. If they end up running a lot of nickel. Heck, he could probably slide over to nickel yeah. back and play really well there. I'm actually curious to see BYU is very deep at the defensive back position. This is something we aren't used to, um, but they have uh, Austin Lee, Malik Moore, that's right, and Sawyer Powell back at the safety position. Dion can switch, slide back there if they need him to. Um, Isaiah Heron, Dion, and uh, D'Angelo Mandel yeah. are some of the bodies at cornerback. So. I'd be interested to see, and even um, Chaz Ayu, who was a safety in high school, he could even potentially, I think he's playing flash linebacker right now, but maybe he could play in nickel. He's he's very similar to Fred Warner. Um, So there was some cause for concern because Troy Warner and Chris Wilcox are both out. They're most likely redshirting this season from what I'm hearing. Um, And you'd think that's a big blow. They're both upperclassmen. but they're going to be able to play in four games still, was what I'm hearing, at the end of the season. And then they're going to be come back for a senior season with Austin, Lee, and Sawyer Powell leaving. Those are two seniors that will be out of the program. And I think that's going to make a difference for BYU in 2020 when I think, like, like I've said before, BYU is going to be very special in 2020, but don't worry about the secondary because they are very good. Good. I think, you know, um, Warner having the not-as-productive year that he had last year as he – he, he was coming back from 
um, the Liz Frank injury. Yeah. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of like a, kind of like a tactic where they're going to stash him away, use that red shirt to, to bring him back because we're losing guys like Austin Lee. Um, and by the way, Austin Lee looks like he has the right attitude for this season to make a big special jump. I think. Well, he had a great season last year. He just kind of came on a little bit late because, you know, Troy was kind of slated as the guy there. Yeah. Um, and so was Dion. And so he didn't necessarily start out the season as, like, the guy, but he kind of earned a spot, I think. But just hearing from what he was saying during media day, dude looks like he's got a chip on his shoulder, like he's got something to prove. Um, you already know he's an athlete. Um so I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, maybe that Zach Wilson fire is uh, contagious on both sides of the ball. So uh, I think Austin Lee is the man that's going to have that kind of fire. Um, a couple more guys that I neglected to mention earlier. Keenan Ellis um, played last year a little bit. Um, it, it, I'm hearing that he's looking good. Demetri Gallo, um, the junior college transfer. And then George Udo, the freshman, um, apparently people are saying that he looks a lot like, uh, Dion. He's wow. like a bigger version of Dion. So it's <laughs> cool. It's, good, uh, it's really good Dion. to hear because Dion is a guy that, you know, depending on how he plays out this season, he's a guy with NFL potential. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm very excited to see, uh, you know, what this, what this BYU team is able to do in 2019. The more I think about it, the more I think that they're going to surprise some people, based on the expectations um, that have kind of been set up for him. But cool. let's go up north. Let's go. Let's, uh, let's talk about the U up Wake on the up, hill. Wake Ute fans who are still with us. Yes. <laughs> um, we are getting to you, Utah fans. Uh, Utah. Yes. We, um, the first thing that we got out of fall camp uh, was the departure of uh, Manny Bowen. Yeah. But it sounds like it's just next man up um francis bernard's still a great linebacker yeah i mean he i i i expect him to have a very good season that he could end up being an nfl draft pick even though he's stuck behind two guys last year that are now in the league so he's kind of overshadowed a little bit there but i expect big production out of him this year and um devin lloyd is the guy that's kind of slated to he's kind of those two have kind of been the one two the entire camp um, even when, but even before Manny Bowen left, it was kind of just, like, it was almost like Devin Lloyd was kind of pushing De- Manny a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we got the sense from, you know, Kyle Winningham that the real search was for the three and the four, mm-hmm. um, in the rotation. And it sounds like Sione Himuli Lund, the yes. Stanford transfer has stepped up a lot and he's That's really impressing was... people. He's huge. He's a big Every dude. time I see him in person, I'm just so surprised because so he um he's he's from Brighton High School and I remember um I went up with with uh Dusty Litster we were working with another company at the time um to go uh interview some of those Brighton boys up mm. about their decision and Sione was the one that we really wanted to talk to. Cool. Um just cuz it was really cool to see him sign with Stanford. So we interviewed him, and I was like, okay, you know, he, he looks the part like he's going to grow and mature yeah. into that Polynesian body. He goes to Stanford for a year and then 
decided decided to transfer back for personal be closer reasons. to home. Yeah. And now every time I've seen him, I'm just like, oh my gosh, his body is transformed. Being in a college program yeah. has made him a different player, and he just he's a man now. And it's just it's crazy <laughs> to see, and it's really cool to see that transformation from five, four or five years ago. Yeah, um, how much he's grown, and so I'm excited for um, what he's going to do potentially this year as he kind of takes more a bigger role yeah and transitions into being a guy that's like a, a focal point of that defense his junior and senior year the funny thing is you know Sione he played both sides of the ball in high school very athletic but he went to Stanford as a running back he was a roommate with my brother at Stanford um he was going to be he rode with that fullback core but um you know in Kyle Whittingham fashion as soon as he transfers to Utah he turns the offensive guy into a defensive guy. But we've seen how well that's worked in the mm-hmm. past with both Chase Hansen, um, pretty much every person on the defense is yeah. probably an offensive player. Yeah. Uh, so Shione is going to bring that perspective to the to the linebacker's core. Um, he's going to do really well, I think. And like you said, dude looks, looks buff. He looks like a middle linebacker. Um, but, you know. Because he was a running back, he's got those feet that could maybe, you know, if they put him outside, I think he might do well on the outside. So, like you said, Kyle Whittingham said in an, in an, in an interview uh, post practice that the number four guy was definitely Sione Lund. So um, it'll be cool. I'm happy for my boy. I'm glad he's doing well, and I expect big things from him. Um, you know, he's just a piece of the defense that is stacked. Um, talking about you know linebackers and we forget to we neglect often the defensive backs on on the defensive side but honestly the defensive backs are probably the strongest part of the defense yeah for sure in utah there's just not much cause for concern for this utah defense nah um I mean, we everyone knows Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson, yeah. um, all the names of the guys that are back there. They're going to be really good defensively. Um, but what we're looking for for the Utes is they're trying to establish, get that rotation in the offensive line. And they get a big boost um, from, uh, I'm sorry if I botch this, but it's uh, Bamadele uh, Olaseni, the big 6'7 junior um, comes from Garden City Community College. He Dude's was huge. a junior college All-American, um, four-star recruit. Um, he uh, has a huge wingspan. I can't remember what they said it was, but it's like only four inches shorter than Rudy Gobert. Yes. Yeah, so that's Go- exactly what you want out of a it's, tackle. It's 88 inches. Okay, 88 inches. Rudy Gobert is 93 inches. Okay. So this dude that's going to be on your offensive line has a wingspan that's five inches shorter than the Utah Jazz's centers. Who's like one of the span. longest players in the NBA. Defensive player of the year, by the way, for the NBA. Yeah. Back to back. So having this big old dude in Bam Olaseni on the offensive side of the ball, that's going to just help the Utes cause. Well, and they've traditionally had a really good um, luck with uh, junior college offensive linemen. Yes. Garrett Bowles transformed into a first round pick after one season at the U. So... Um, I'm excited to see what Bam Olaseni does. He and how he kind of bolsters up that offensive line. Um, that lost a lot of experience. You have uh, Johnny Maya, uh-huh. um, is someone that a, a lot of people are expecting a lot from. So I, um, I haven't had a chance to go up there. But what 
you're you're up at the U on the hill a little bit more than I have been. Yeah. What are they saying about the offensive line? Are they happy with what they're seeing? So um, Kyle Whittingham says that basically all the pieces are there and they're working on, you know, they've already installed the offense. They're just working through that right now. Um, but when they asked him, you know, who who is the roster going to be, like one and two, he said he has the people, but he didn't say who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, it's I've had a few days off of work, so I don't know if things have changed. But I get the sense that they know what their starting lineup is going to be. They have to at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're they're shifting away their focus from fall camp where they're developing their guys and installing their offense and stuff like that. They're preparing, preparing for BYU now. Absolutely. And at this point, you need to know who your guys are or at least – be one or two practices away from figuring out who it is. You can't go in with any question marks. And it's like, okay, they figured out the kicker. They decided who the captains are. They decided who the senior leadership council is. So they're getting more of an idea of what they need, um, like who are, who the leaders are going to be and who the guys are going to be this year. And, you know, when we say that, like, the offensive line is the weakest part of the team, it's the weakest part of a Really, really, really strong team. Well, and it's it, and it's not like it's necessarily weak. It's just it has the most question marks because sure. of the lack of experience that they have there. They could have some very talented guys. Yeah, and so you know this is taking into account that they like they don't have like any real true freshmen like that are they're gonna have to put on the line. Like it's not they're not panicking. They've just they've got guys, and I think they're gonna be just fine. They've got a great offense uh, backfield. Um, they have a returning starting quarterback. Utah looks great. They have great uh, tight end situation, too, in Keithy and Fotheringham. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, they're fine. They're stacked. Um, the running back core is probably one of the best in the state, yeah. too. Um, so it's, yeah, they're fine. Well, let's talk about, so we got some other news. Um about the Utes this week as they wrapped up fall camp. They picked their, um, as I mentioned earlier, their captains and their leadership council. So the t- captains this year for the offense, Tyler Huntley and Darren Paolo. Oh, cool. Um, defense, Bradley and I, Lucky Foe, too. Okay, easy. Makes sense. Um, ben Lennon is the, the punter. Um, okay. He's the special teams captain. And then their leadership council, they have 14 players. Um, these are guys that are going to be you know holding guys accountable for the uh-huh. season, stuff like that. Um, the leadership of the team, Jalen Johnson, Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, Tamari Simpkins, Bradley and I, Francis Bernard, Britton Covey, Julian Blackman, Terrell Burgess, Ben Lennon, John Penasini, Darren Paolo, Cole Fotheringham, and Lucky Foti. So a lot of yeah. that upperclassmen, um, I think Cole Fotheringham's the only guy that I can think of that's an underclassman. Ben Lennon, actually, I guess technically. Technically is. Um, is, but. Uh, yeah, he's a freshman, but but he's hella old. Not just kidding. He's good. He's <laughs> he's really good. Um, yeah, and so like he he's gonna be a four year contributor for the yeah. Utes. Um, we're getting good feedback from from Tom uh, from Tom, who knows a like, lot about punting. We, we can't deny that Tom knows what he's talking about. And yeah, when he if, says if that Tom ben says that star, if he thinks that the guy's gonna be good, then he's gonna be for good. sure. Um, but some other cool news that came out of Utah football camp this week. 
they awarded scholarships to three players, which yeah. this is one of my favorite things about social media. Like, yeah. there's a lot of garbage on social media. We yes. put out a lot of garbage on social media. We, we like to kind of make fun of things and have some fun at each other's expense, our expense, others' yeah. expense. But, um, you know, this is a this is always one of the coolest things. I love when any college rewards a kid um, for, you know, just grinding and putting in yes. that work as a walk-on, um, you know, <laughs> like eating packs of ramen and trying to keep up with, like, the scholarship yeah. players that are, like, getting, like, three meals a day and, you know, all their nutrition and... Homes paid their, for. Their, yeah, their yeah. apartments paid for, like... I have a friend, and we're going to bring him on to the podcast soon. Cool. Um, who was a walk-on down at BYU. And this dude worked three jobs and Jeez. was eating ramen, and his wife worked two jobs, and they had a kid. Ugh. And he's just scraping by. Like, his story's amazing. It's, it, cool. It will blow you away. We're going we're gonna to have him in studio. I'm going to keep it as a surprise. Who does, he, he's a guy that a lot of fans know. But um, they just, uh, the youths awarded, in, in really special fashion, each of these kids, uh, Ali'i Niamatololo, mm-hmm. uh, Malik Haynes, and Mason Woodward all got scholarships. Um, and this was really cool. Ali'i Niamatololo, um, he's from Annapolis, Maryland. His dad um, is Ken Niamatololo, the head coach of Navy. Yep. Um, Ali'i originally committed to Boise State um, out of high school. He was a big recruit out of Annapolis. Um, and after going on a mission, he decided... He, he returned home early and decided to open up his recruitment, decided to walk on to Utah. Um, which is crazy. Which is crazy because it. he had a lot of like a lot of options. G5 schools. He still had Boise State as an option, BYU. There were ties there with his older brother playing at BYU, but he decided to walk on at the U. And after a couple of years, his hard work has paid off. Yeah. Um, they got a conference call from the Navy football team, the entire football team. The whole football team. Which was really cool. And, and they um, were all flashing the U, too, which is yeah, pretty cool. It, just a really cool show of unity. Like, Ken was obviously very proud of his son. Yeah. Um, and he just said, hey, just wanted to say, uh, go Navy beat everybody, or yeah. and then go Utah beat everybody. And also, one last thing, Ali'i, you're on scholarship. Proud of yeah, you, son. Super cool. That was really cool. And then Malik Haynes, uh, they brought in a pizza guy <laughs> to, <laughs> like, deliver pizza. And he ended up delivering a full-ride scholarship to Malik instead. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. And then uh, the last one, um, uh, Woodward, uh, Mason Woodward. Right. He's a local kid from West Point, played at Syracuse. Um, he... Uh, um, he was an all-academic honorable mention. So they're rewarding him for his hard work off the field. And they had his wife disguised as an athletic trainer. Which, do you think he really didn't know? Like, how would you I don't know. notice your wife? I don't know. I mean, if she's, like, in a hoodie or something like that, maybe. I mean, you're done with practice. You're sweaty. Like, yeah. you're probably not even looking Sure. to see, like, who's talking or anything like that. You're probably just looking down at the ground, just beat sweat beating down your forehead you know just not focused on anything um but mason woodward his wife gave him the news which was really cool super cool um really special moment there so congratulations to those three players um i was really glad that utah decided to share that to kind of get an inside look um to the all the hard work that these kids are putting in during fall camp and now the attention turns to byu yeah so um let's get uh to the last major program in the state, Utah Go State and Logan. Going way north. I actually had a chance to go up to Logan last week. Um, always great to make the drive up there. 
Um, they held their final scrimmage of fall camp. Um, and, uh, you know, things are looking good for the Aggies. I like what I'm seeing and hearing. Um, they do, there, there are some question marks about some of the experience that they have on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Gerald Bright's going to be great. We love Gerald Bright. We love Gerald Bright. We stand Gerald Bright in every aspect. So I, I was kind of a little bit concerned. I'm like, okay, he was behind Darwin Thompson. Darwin Thompson left early to go to the league. But at the same time, I start looking at like his stats, and he has like six-plus yards per carry. Um, had like 800 yards of rushing. And this is like the number two option yeah. out of the backfield. And they had like three or four guys that actually got like a good number of touches. Their running back room's really good. Jalen Warren... Riley Burt yeah. um, fighting for those second and third spots. But um, they add Caleb Rep as a tight end who uh, he's kind of bounced back and forth between the defensive and offensive side of the ball oh. um, during his college career. Started as a tight end, moved to defensive end. Now That's he's back right. at tight end. Um, I like what he, I saw out of him when I was up at um, Utah State fall camp. And then uh, COC Mariner, a guy with a lot of experience. Another in Utah transfer. Um, I, I just like what he has that wide receiving core. And so – I'm excited. Um, the The main addition that I'm actually kind of excited for that they get returning, Shaq Bond. Oh, yeah. A dynamic safety. He was hurt last year. We talked about it with Matthew Glade um, during our Utah State preview, but he's going to be a big addition on that back end of the Utah State defense to kind of solidify things. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what he did. He had a really nice scrimmage um, on Saturday. Oh, cool. Um, I think, like you said, um, the running backs are like my favorite thing to watch, but you can't forget the guy that's pulling all the strings on the offensive side. Jordan Love, he'll be he's back. He's they say uh, in the Heisman race they have those little candies and stuff. If you remember, they're delicious. There. I'm a big fan of the, can- <laughs> the, the Jordan Love candies. Um, but yeah, Jordan Love's another player to watch, and then. Um, do you want to move to the defensive side of the ball real quick? Well, I actually, I kind of want to go in a little bit of a different direction. Okay. Let's talk about this coaching staff. It's oh, a new yeah. coaching staff for the most part. New old. But the more and more I think about it, I love the the experience that this coaching staff brings. Yeah. Um, you have Gary Anderson, who obviously, new old, that's who we're referring to when we talk about the experience yeah. here. Um, very familiar with Logan. He knows the parameters to recruit to Logan. He's familiar with guys that are going on um, LDS missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of re- reinvigorated that Polynesian pipeline while he was there originally. Sure. He's a great recruiter, a great coach. He's a player's coach. His players love him. Mm-hmm. When I went up there, and every single person that I asked about Coach A, love Coach A. Wow. He means everything to us. He cares about us. Um, he wants the best for us. He cares more about us as a player, like as a person and not just as a player. And it shows. I mean, he secured funding from donors to improve the locker room facility to give them the best that they could possibly get. Um, a G5 experience. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you saw the renovations of the stadium, which a lot of it came from. They get those donors, obviously, Maverick, the the title sponsor. Title sponsor. But it came from the play that Utah State put on the field in the Gary Anderson era originally. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what he's um, able to do there. But it's it's not just that. Like, the coaches he surrounded himself with. For sure. Are, like, A1, Primo, like, guys that are going to have great 
futures, and they've had great careers so far. Justin Enna. Justin Enna. Justin Enna is that guy's the man. Like yeah. you talk to him in person, like the way that he carries himself, he knows football. Knows football. He was a stud linebacker at BYU. Yeah. He played in the NFL for the Eagles. He uh and he's ground he's grinded his way up the coaching ladder. He started out at SUU, goes to Weber State, yeah. was the linebacker coach at Utah. Like he's been around some great linebackers and he knows how to communicate with guys. He knows how to train them up. He knows how to get them ready to prepare them. Now he's a defensive coordinator and he's gonna have um he has some really talented players. Great tools. DJ Williams, Shaq Bond, um Tipa, Tipa Nalei, David Woodward. Like yeah. I'm excited to see the creativity that he puts in Christian Unga is another guy yeah. that like he's not gonna get noticed because he's a he's a nose tackle. He's a stud though. And yeah. so I'm excited to see the creativity that Justin Anna is able to put together um with with this team that he has moving forward. Yeah. Um Frank Miley, you know, he's not new. He's yeah. he's left over from the last regime. Having him as the assistant head coach is huge. But players love him. He he's another guy who's a players coach. Mm-hmm. He was another candidate to fill that head coaching vacancy yeah. um, last year um, after Matt Wells left. And you know what? Keeping him around was so vital because so he important. lives and breathes Aggie football. Yep, and he knows what he's built. I mean, hell, he took the, over the reins for the bowl game. And, you know, like we already said, players love him. He knows the system. Um, honestly, like going back after Matt Wells left – the head coaching job, if it would have gone to him or if it would have gone to Gary Anderson, I think it would have been a good choice either way. I, I think yeah, either would be good choices. They obviously have different things that they bring, but Frank had an opportunity to leave. He's had opportunities to leave in the past. But getting him to stay is huge for the program. He's sure. loyal, and the co- the players know that, and they appreciate that. They talk about um, – Frank Miley sticking around. It was just, yeah. it was huge for the trust that they have in this coaching staff um, to establish that because it, it brings continuity. Yeah. And yeah, they just trust him. And then, I mean, there's a lot of concern um, with replacing Yost as the offense coordinator. Yeah. But Mike Sanford, he's, he's really good. I mean, yeah, he. He kind of fell from grace a little bit after a stint at, I, I believe it was Western Kentucky. I know I've said Akron and Toledo. I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I stand corrected. It was Western Kentucky. Um, I should probably stop making jokes about that. I know. Um, but he's he's very experienced. I mean, he's been um, at Notre Dame, Boise yeah. State. He was at Stanford. Um, Stanford, Yale. Um he, UNLV, so he has plenty of experience with the Mountain West. Boise State in 2014, he put up huge numbers uh, yeah. um, with that offense, with Jay Ajayi. Very excited for what he's able to do with the talent that he has on that offensive side of the ball and the creativity yeah. that he's going to have. As long as they keep moving forward with that spread offense and just let Jordan Love sling it, like it's going to open up running room for um, Gerald Bright. And they're going to do great things. And let me just say, Mike Sanford, he sounds like, bear with me with this comparison. Um, but I, I feel like Mike Sanford, him and, you know, uh, Coach Snyder for the Jazz are kind of similar in, like, they're creative. They come from, like, blue blood stock in their sports. Um, are they where they, like, thought they were going to be when they were um, doing their best work? Probably not. But 
this team that they have is underrated, um, super talented. They have all the tools at their disposal to make things happen. And so Mike Sanford, I think he'll do a great job. I love that comparison. I, it's not one that I would have thought of, but I like it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Utah state's able to do. Um, I think that's all we have on the Aggies today today. Um, but you know, we're going to keep you guys covered. Um, we're going to kind of shift our attention moving forward for the next week to rivalry week. Yes. Um, and then we'll, we'll be more all encompassing in this podcast. We don't ever talking about college. Um, NFL though. Boom. We uh, we have a lot of locals in the NFL doing some big things. So many. Some of these really big names like Eric Weddle, um, right. Bobby Wagner, uh, the big usual names suspects. that like we're used to are being held out. Still, it's still week two of the preseason, but we're seeing some big things out of guys that are kind of like fringe roster spot guys. Yeah, Bronson Kafusi had a breakout game. Bronson is starting to show um, some of that potential that the Ravens saw when they drafted him in the third round. Uh-huh. Um, and he's looking really good with the Jets. He's on the second. He's like a second teamer on the defensive line. He had what a sack, two pass deflections, uh-huh. um, a quarterback a hit, a couple of tackles in in the most recent game. Um, so it's really cool to see him starting to perform because he was a guy that entering the season. So he was on the the practice squad, bouncing back and forth between that and the active roster last mm-hmm. year with the Jets. It seems like he's starting to secure himself a spot on that active roster, which is really cool. Bronson's a really, really good guy. I enjoyed covering him when he was at BYU. Um, and so I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. He's teammates with Harvey Longy, uh-huh. who hasn't really played in the preseason yet. He's been kind of out with an injury. Yeah. Um, but hopefully in the last two games, just for Harvey's sake, he's had a rough go in the NFL. Um, yeah. He was undrafted and then just had a great, phenomenal he signed with the uh, Patriots and had a phenomenal um, training camp and everything. And then, and then um, he got in a car accident that's kind of sidelined him for two years. And so um, we're hoping that Harvey can get it figured out because he's a talent. Yeah, hope for the best. But I think the main story this week was Taysom Hill. Oh, my goodness. Like, Taysom Hill was trending nationally. Yeah. He did so well that... He's on the front page. He was on the front page of ESPN, I think. ESPN.com. Are you serious? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was ESPN. Um, oh, look at that. Yep. First thing you see. Yeah. You go to ESPN.com. Week two preseason takeaways is Taysom Hill becoming Drew Brees' heir apparent. <laughs> um, but th- th- this is how crazy Taysom's stats are. It's no secret he's the Swiss Army knife for Sean Payton. By the way, We'll, I'll share a Sean Payton story, a discovery that we made a little oh, bit yeah. later. Um, but I digress. Taysom Hill, I think he was 11 for 15, had like two, almost 200 yards of total offense, including like 35 yards rushing. Um, but he also had a tackle. Yeah. What kind of quarterback at the end of the box score has a tackle? Taysom Hill. Um, maybe someone who throws a lot of picks, but Taysom didn't throw a pick today. Um, yeah, Taysom. So the Saints were just had no offense going. Teddy Bridgewater did not look good. He had two turnovers. He had an interception. Yeah. Um, and a fumble that uh, that the Chargers um, were able to recover. So they put Taysom in actually before uh, halftime, and his very first play, he throws just an absolute dime 
to the receiver, and it goes off the receiver's face mask, uh, yeah. and then he gets sacked for the on the next play, and then they ran a draw the third play, and it's just like, oh great, like, it didn't look good. It didn't. It wasn't a great yeah. start, but he really recovered. Um, he threw two touchdowns, led the Saints in a comeback effort. They were trailing seventeen to three. Just absolutely nothing going on. And again, it's preseason. Sure, but who did he play? The freaking Chargers. Yeah, like th- that's no pushover team. Even the second stringers or whatever. Yeah, they're they're the a, they're a good franchise. So he led them in um in a come in the comeback effort. He had fifty three yards rushing, two touchdown passes. Um, and you know one of the off season topics in New Orleans was. Okay, they saw that the way that Taysom Hill was utilized last year. Uh-huh. What? Uh, what there was is a, it? Well, he's just he does everything. Okay. He um, plays special teams. He plays uh, tight end. He plays wide receiver. He plays running back. He plays kick returner. He plays um, punt blocker. He's, he's yeah, kick, kick holder. Kick holder. He's <laughs> on the uh, the uh, shield protection for the punt team. He's the designated driver yeah, after their exactly after parties. <laughs> Very important. Um, and the the Saints signed Teddy Bridgewater to an extension. It's like, okay, maybe Teddy Bridgewater is the uh, heir apparent to Drew Brees um, after Brees eventually moves on him. He's aging. He's getting older. Yeah. But after what we saw from Taysom Hill, maybe the Saints are rethinking that. A lot of people are saying that the Saints still have plans for Taysom Hill as a quarterback, not as a football player. Right. But as a quarterback, they like what they're seeing. And I, I really like the progression that we've seen out of Taysom last um, three years since he uh, left BYU, he's come a long way as a quarterback. Um, and I'm excited to see what he continues to do. Um, the other game that we had tonight, Seattle versus Minnesota, uh-huh. a lot of guys with B- uh, or, uh, local Utah ties, ties, Utah, Utah State, BYU, um, high school ties. Yes. Well, and, you know, let's let's quickly mention some of the other guys um, on the Saints okay. um, that have uh, – Ties to the state of Utah. So obviously Taysom Hill stood out. Caden Ellis. Okay? Okay. Many of you guys probably don't know who he is. Uh, so he played at Judge Memorial and played at Idaho. He led the Saints in tackles today with six. If you're a Utah fan, you you should know his family. Yeah. Yeah, his Luther dad Ellis. played at the U. Yeah. Uh, yeah, first round pick out of the U. Um, he's now coaching up at Idaho. That's how Caden ended up at Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, Porter Gustin, the former Salem Hill Skyhawk. Um, Trojan was a USC Trojan. He had four tackles, including a tackle for loss. And then um, Corbin Tafusi, he had a tackle and a pass deflection. Um, and then Marcus Williams had two tackles, the former Ute. Um, he's a little more established. He's not a guy who's necessarily trying to make um, a name for himself. And then another guy with a ties to the state of Utah, um, Vince Beagle. His dad played at BYU back in the day. Oh, uh, he's a Wisconsin Badger. Three tackles, um, two quarterback hits. So um, cool. cool to see some guys with uh, ties to the state um, uh, doing some big things. Um, Sam Tevy was also featured in that game. Uh, yes. uh, he's an offensive lineman for the Chargers. Uh, Thunderbird, I think, wasn't he? Did he, no, he was a U. U? Oh, he was a U. U. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, for the other game that was played tonight. Um, the, uh, it was the Seahawks against the, uh, Vikings. And as I was saying earlier, there are a lot of guys with, uh, ties to the state of Utah, um, on Seattle. Uh, we have John Ursua. He had, uh, a reception for 25 yards, targeted twice. Um, 
Bobby Wagner, obviously, he's the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. He sat out tonight, obviously. He has no reason to be playing. He's established. Um, Cody Barton, former Utah linebacker, four tackles. He's really making a name for himself yeah, they in, love Seattle. Him in Seattle. They love him up there. He's doing big things in practices. He showed out in games. He's going to get a lot of playing time in that linebacking core. Um, and I'm excited to see Ziggy Ansah. Another guy with uh, ties, obviously, pit at BYU. He sat out. Um, and then uh, Marquise Blair, he left early with um, a back injury. Um, so we're wishing him the best. Hopefully it's not too serious and he's able to get back on the field because he looked really good in that first game. He yeah. delivered just an absolutely devastating hit. As um, per usual. Is, yeah, as per usual. Like he's, They bring back that Legion of Boom. Like Marquise Blair is like a guy that they want yes. to kind of lead that charge because he's just such a good um, tackler and hitter and yeah. he's just so physical. I love his game. Um, but that's kind of a short wrap of locals in the NFL. If you guys want to know and see how everyone did, go to kslsports.com. We yeah. have everything there. Um, but I think... Uh, Is that everything? That's everything for NFL. We've got to get to our... Uh, Let's do it. We're we're just under 10 days away. Um, college football, baby. From uh, the opening of the college football season. Um we're recording very early. It's 2.33 a.m. on August 19th. Um, ten days away. Probably listening to this when we're about nine days away. But to celebrate the ten days away, we decided to uh, put together our top ten players in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is... College players. Uh, college players, yes. Um, Noah Sewell would crack my list for the top ten <laughs> if we included high school. Absolutely. Um, but, so I... I we reached out. We did a poll with the um, all the KSL TV, the KSL TV group, um, and we uh, made our picks. Um, what we came up with collectively as a group. I'm going to read those numbers off first, and then him and our him and I are going to debate. Do you have your list with you? I have my list. Okay. So our top ten that we came up with. Um, I assigned a, a point system. Um, depending on where the, they were ranked in the top 10, number one gets 10, number two gets nine points, all the way down to the guy that gets 10th gets one point. What we came away with, um, after combining all our averages, uh, number one player in the state, Bradley and I. Boom. Okay, number two, Zach Moss. Number three, Jalen Johnson. Number four, Jordan Love. Number okay. five, David Woodward. Number six, Lucky Fotu. Um, we actually had a tie for seven. Zach Wilson and Gerald Bright. Zach Wilson gets the tiebreaker because he appeared on more lists. Um, Gerald Bright just had like a, a very high ranking on one person's list. <laughs> um, Tyler Huntley gets number nine and Julian Blackman gets 10. The other guys that receive votes, James Empey, Britton Covey, um, Josh Davis at Weber State and Brady Christensen. Cool. The left tackle for the Cougars. couple guys that... Um, Oh, and you know what? Uh, Tipa Nalei oh, yes. also uh, receiving votes. Um, a couple of guys that got left off notably. Um, uh, Cole Fotheringham, Matt Bushman, yeah. um, Peter Tonga. Uh, Kyrus Tonga. Kyrus Tonga. That, that's who I was going with next. And Dion Gunwalaku. And yeah. Isaiah Kafusi. Um, yeah. Those are some of the guys. It, I had a list of about 20, and I just kind of had to slowly start checking off, okay, 
remove yeah. this guy. Francis Bernard's another guy. Um, Shaq Bond, DJ Williams. Like th- th- yeah. there are a lot of guys that probably should have made the cut here, um, but we had to make the cut somewhere. Yeah. We only had ten, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> Bradley and I. Does that surprise you? Him ending up number one. I didn't have him number no. one. Um, I don't know that I had him. Let me check and see where I had him. I had him at number four on my list. Okay. So should we just talk about it? Yeah. Okay. So I had Bradley and I number one on my list. And here's why. My list, I looked at it as um, the players that are going to do the most in the state. Mm -hmm. Um, So I picked Bradley and I number one because not only is he so fun to watch, he's my favorite player on Utah's defense to watch, but I feel like he's going to have a breakout year this year. Last year, he had an amazing year. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, he's going to be the most productive pass rusher in the Pac-12. I think he's going to be uh, one of the best in the nation. And I definitely think he's going to go first round in the NFL draft. So okay. that's why I have him at number one. Who did you have at your number? Should we just go yeah, let's through go, our list? Let's go through our list. Um, okay. I have Jalen Johnson at number one. And the reason... so. I didn't really establish any parameters here because I just I wanted to know who people thought were the ten best players yeah. in the state. Um, and I provided a list of about fifty guys that we could pick from. Just have um, them interpret it. Yeah, and just want. have you interpret it however you want. Um, and we got for the most part. I think that were there were like five or six guys that it got on everyone's list. Um, Jalen Johnson was my number one, and the reason I picked Jalen Johnson. He is probably the most respected player in the state for his position. Yeah. He doesn't put up the same numbers that most people do, but in my opinion... It's a good thing if you're a DB, though. It's a good thing if you're a DB if you do that, and I think he's going to be a first-round pick. That's just my opinion. Okay. Um, I hope he lives up to the expectations that people have for him because it's great to see players with local ties go on to do great things. And I had him at number seven, and that's not saying that he's worse than anyone on this no, list. It's just what you expect yeah. production-wise out of him, which I, I respect. Again, I, I left it very, very open-ended um, for, for people to interpret. No. Uh, number two, I had Zach Moss. Zach Moss came in at first or second in four of the five people that we pulled. Um, I almost like want to throw away Sam's results because he hasn't seen Zach Moss in person. <laughs> but Zach is he's devastating. He has a great name. Um, he has a great name. <laughs> uh, but he's just a devastating runner. He has breakaway speed. He can run guys over. He can juke. He can catch. He can do. I mean, he's everything you want in a back. He's yeah. durable. Um, he's going to get, you know, 30-plus touches per game. And, you know, he came back for his senior year, even though he should probably be playing in the league right now. For sure. Um, and Bradley and I is another guy. Like, it, it's between the, the three guys that we mentioned so far, yeah. Jalen, Zach Moss, and Bradley and I, it's a toss-up between those three. And, some combination of those three were number one in the five lists that we made. Makes sense. And I had Zach Moss at two, just like you did for all those reasons, for sure. Okay. Number three, I had another running back in the state. And this is what you were talking about. So yeah. I had him ridiculously high. That was me, Gerald Bright. Well, and I, you know what? I, at first, I give you a hard time about this. I'm not going to give you as a hard time as we had for someone else who picked... <laughs> James MP number three. <laughs> yeah. No offense to James. He's still a sophomore. Yeah. I don't think he's reached his potential yet, but um, I don't know that he's necessarily um, one of the necessarily the best guys on. And using on, my on parameters, like uh, Gerald Bright has a bright future, pun intended. Ooh. No, this guy, 
you think about it this way. He was second in line behind Darwin Thompson, and he still rushed for almost a thousand yards. In an offense that threw the ball a ton. Yeah. And this dude still like had a ton of touchdowns. He had no injuries, really. He's explosive. He's explosive. He's fast. He's like Zach Moss in yeah. that aspect. He, he's he, you. You just think with his personality. He's he's like Jamal Williams. He's like a smaller yeah. version of Jamal Williams. Just like with his personality, um, he's more explosive than Jamal. Um, he's not as physical. He as has Jamal more was, obviously, but he has Jamal. more breakaway speed. Um, he's he's a home run threat in any way he can catch the ball. I I I respect this decision sure. because. Yeah. Like the more you think about it, like you're like, okay, he was the second option last year. He only he had like eight or nine hundred yards. Like, do we really expect him to make the leap to go up to like fifteen hundred yards? No, but I could see him having a twelve or thirteen hundred yard season. Yeah, um, plus a couple hundred yards receiving. And I mean, I look at it this way: Darwin Thompson is out of the picture. So who's going to get all the touches? Gerald Wright. Well, Jalen Warren and um, Riley Burt. I think Jalen sure. Warren's probably that established number two guy. Riley Burt's going to kind of round it out a little bit. Um, they're definitely going to rotate. That's a great rotation. No, they're very happy with the three Everyone's guys they have, have up fresh there at legs, Utah State for sure. Yeah, but I think Gerald Bright's clearly established number one. The coaches have said as much, um, and so I, I I don't blame you for picking him at number three. Got it. Who I had at number three is actually another Utah State Aggie, David Woodward. Nice. He's continuing this tradition of great linebackers at Utah State. Um, he's dynamic, he's athletic. He was an All-American as a sophomore. He's very soft-spoken, but like, kind of has like this confidence, this quiet confidence about him that he's mm. like, you know what, I, I know that I'm a stud and I can do big things. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to go out there and let my, my play talk um, for how I did. And he did last year. He's a tackling machine. He made big plays. He made interceptions, sacks, forced fumbles, tackles for loss. He can yeah. kind of do it all. He's kind of like the defensive Swiss Army knife. Yeah. For the Aggies, um, and he came in at number five um, in our KSL TV Sports poll. Um, number four, I had Bradley and I. We talked about him. He's potentially the best pass rusher in the Pac-12. Um, you know, in all honesty, like it was very hard to put him as low as I did, and that's number sure. four. Sure, he could make a case for number one on anybody. It's like you list. don't feel right about it. Yeah. But- yeah. yeah, there were a lot of things I didn't feel right about when I picked this top 10. I almost wanted to make it a top 20, but then we'd just be arguing even more yeah. about who should be where. So We had to cut it off somewhere. So let me share with you my number four, and this might be a surprise. Uh, I have Jordan Love at number four. Okay, and I had him at five. Okay. The highest quarterback that I have on my list. And, you know, it's hard to, you know pinpoint exactly like what makes each quarterback better than another quarterback. They're different quarterbacks. When they have different styles, exactly. Mm-hmm. But Jordan Love, he's been a starter for so long. He's a bona fide leader on the team. Um he ran for a buttload of yards. He threw for a buttload of yards last year. It's just I can't I can't see him not performing equally as well. And in fact, I think he's going to overperform this year. I think he's going to put up bigger numbers than he did last year. Well, as good as he was last year, he still had games where he just didn't really put up great performances. You think about Boise State, Wyoming, Colorado mm-hmm. State. Um, the numbers just weren't there. And in order for Mount, for Utah State to accomplish what they want to in the Mountain West, he's got to do better. Yeah, um, He is changing offensive coordinators from David Yost to Mike Sanford. But, um, you know, I put him at number five on my list for a reason. And that reason is because I'm expecting big things out of him. He's a junior this year. Um, he's 
been around. He knows what it's like to taste success, and I think he's hungry. So um, who did you have at your number five? My number five is Zach Wilson. Okay. This is interesting, too, because I it felt a little weird putting him ahead of Tyler Huntley, um, knowing Tyler Huntley's history and his explosiveness as a playmaker. But I think Zach Wilson, like we mentioned before talking about him, he's young, he's hungry, he has the tools. Um, and since my list is based on what people are potentially going to accomplish – I put Zach Wilson at five. I can respect that. Um, I have Zach Wilson a little bit lower. He did make my list. Um, but for uh, number – well, who do you have for uh, number six? Okay, my number six is Tyler Huntley. Okay. So, I, so you kind of have the quarterbacks all grouped together. Yes, and it's it's the same thing. I don't know if I feel right putting them so low, all three of them on this list. But um, Tyler Huntley, I feel like – um, he could be more efficient. He obviously was hurt last year, so Jason Shelley had a lot of the, a lot of the uh, snaps at the end of the year. But, um, Tyler Hundley's issue for me was always like he's, he's a little too skinny. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit fragile. Um, but Kyle Winningham told us at the end of a practice that Tyler Huntley's put on twenty pounds. That he looks bigger, stronger, faster, and that still remains to be seen. Um, he still doesn't take as many hits in practice. Obviously, you don't want him to get hit, but we'll we'll find out when he plays BYU. How how back is he? Yeah, exactly. Um, so Tyler Huntley, um, he came in number nine on our poll. Um, he actually missed out on the top ten for me, and he, again, he's like another guy that. I probably put him at like 11 or 12, um, but there's got to be a cutoff somewhere. And sure. just the parameters that I set for myself are part of the part of the thing that I looked into is the future. Yeah. And he's a little more established. He's a senior. Um, he's had some really big wins while at Utah, but at the same time, like he struggled to finish seasons. Um, and, you know, I just... I don't know that I see him taking the next step that I could see Jordan Love and Zach Wilson doing. Right. And that's why those two make my top 10. Plus, I just don't know that he's going to be as vital to um, the youth success. I mean, obviously, he's going to be very important, but he's not the main focus of that offense the way that mm. Zach Wilson and Jordan Love are for the Cougars and Aggies. Like, he's, he's you know, option number two. He's the second most important player. Um for uh, for the Utes. Absolutely. So that's why he didn't make my top 10. But I had Lucky Fotu. Okay. Um, Lucky is just an absolute beast. He is insane. Um, and I, I had a hard time choosing between him and Kairos Tonga as my defensive tackles to put in. Yeah. Um, Lucky's a guy. He's, a, he's one year older than um, Kairos. He's got another year of experience. Mm-hmm. He was all Pac-12 last year. He's first team all Pac-12 preseason this year. Another guy that should have gone to the league. Yeah, he came back early, um, and I just I'm expecting really big things from him this season. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's a captain this year, so there's big expectations for him from a leadership standpoint mm-hmm. and a production standpoint as well. And he's, you know what, um, we we talked earlier about how good BYU's defensive line is. He's going to be able to thrive and put up big numbers because of the guys that he has around him. Peter Tonga, Bradley, and I. Um, you know, uh, all, all the guys, Max Tupai, like they are so deep. 
at defensive line. And even though he's like a main focal point that like teams are gonna like scheme and game plan for, like he's still gonna put up huge numbers. I mean, he's six five, three hundred and thirty pounds. Dude's a beast. He's huge. And it's like if you're an offensive line, it's like of these three, four guys that you're gonna face, who do you double team? Mm-hmm. Like which guy are you going to leave open? Yeah. And you don't want to leave either of them open. Exactly. You know, so. So it, it, it and um, yeah, he came in at number six on our list. So that's where I had him. Cool. Give me the um, next two. Uh, Julian Blackman. Okay. Um, he didn't crack your top 10. I, I think that um, as much focus that um, as uh, Jalen Johnson gets, like Julian Blackman is very vital. Yeah. He was the turning point in, uh, he gave Utah that momentum in the BYU-Utah game last mm-hmm. year. He's super important. I have Zach Wilson. We talked about Wilson. main reason I put him in my top 10 is the potential that he has, and I'm expecting a really big season out of him. Um, and moving forward, I think he's a guy that um, potentially, depending on how the cards play out, he has a future past college football because um, he has the tangibles that are there to yeah. do it. Um, who did you have? You have Jalen Johnson. Josh Davis is a guy Josh that Davis. you put on yours at yeah. number eight. And so this is kind of controversial, I guess. Um, but Josh Davis is is not in. Um, he is not in FBS football. Mm-hmm. He plays for Weber State. But the guy has an athleticism and um, speed for a running back that is just kind of unique especially at that level yeah um now what does that do sure he's not going to play against you know p5 caliber defenses but he could run away with like fcs honors every single year that he's playing Mm -hmm. um weber state's poised to you know make the playoffs this year for fcs fcs they could potentially win it with jay hill at the helm making josh davis you know one of the best running backs that could potentially come out of weber state no, he's a big-time player, and I think that he – I mean, Jay Hill, what he's done there, this is not to discredit Jay Hill and Weber no, State. No, But Josh Davis is a talent that should be playing above the FCS level, in my opinion, and it – unfortunately for him, he doesn't get to showcase his talents at the highest level the way that I think that he should deserve the opportunity to, but he's yeah. making the best of his situation at Weber State. He's another guy that just barely, barely missed my top ten. Yeah. And – you know, maybe another season under his belt. Some of these guys who are more established move on. Yeah, um, he would crack my top ten. But um, as a sophomore, I'm expecting big things from him. And you know, he he makes my top thirteen probably. And and let me just say too that just because he plays for Weber State doesn't mean that he's not going to go to the next level. In fact, I think he's going to go to the next level. He's going to follow in the footsteps of like Taron Johnson or Andrew Voller, who played last year. That like they could actually go to the next, to the league despite not being in an FBS school. Absolutely, yeah. Um, okay, so for my next guy, uh, I had Tipa Nalei. Okay, the, good um, choice. The linebacker, he played linebacker last year for Utah State. He's more of a, like an edge rusher. Dynamic player. Um, if Utah State wants to succeed, it's going to come off of um, his production is going to be a big part of it. Um, and then I'll just round out my top ten, James Empey. Um, the reason I picked James is because he he's a freshman All-American. We didn't see any drop-off off of T. John Karoma. And, yeah. Um, T. John Karoma, um, for as good as he was, he's a guy that would be in the top 10 if he were still playing if, at BYU. Yeah. Okay? And we don't see any drop-off with James Empey. We see an, an improvement in some aspects, especially with his lack of penalties. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't we include Discipline. James Empey in the top 10? Yes, he yeah. is young. That's like the one thing that like potentially held me back from putting him in the top ten uh-huh. was his youth, but at the same time, like 
that lack of a drop-off, he's experienced, he has great technique, he's big, he's strong, and he has potential to play at the next level is why I picked him. And that, you know what, and I get that because on my list, because he's young, that would have been a plus because of the upside that he has um, in his future on my list. And he's your number 10? He's my number 10. Okay, so number 9, I have Britton Covey. Okay. Um, We know who he is. We know what he's capable of. I feel bad putting him down so far, like number nine. But like we said, it's I left hard to him pick. off my list because of the injury. He's probably twelve for me if yeah. I have to expand out past ten. But a healthy Britton Covey is a dangerous Britton Covey. He's so, a he's a difference maker for the Utes for sure. He's a spark that they need when they need a spark. Um, he's got sure hands, quick feet. So you know. Um, and then to my number ten is Brady Christensen. So it's funny that we both ended on the uh, offensive lineman, freshman All Americans. Yeah, uh, kind of anchors for that BYU offensive line so uh yeah there's so you guys have it there is the uh ksl tv sports um top 10 top 10 including hema and zach's top 10 collegiate players in the state of utah um really really tough decision like guys you can send us the hate but like it was a tough decision to make um i i honestly had 25 guys that i just had to go through and pick off and you know isaiah kafusi is probably my favorite player in the Mm. state um I think that he's going to be very important for BYU this year. Yes. And I had to leave him off my list just because there's some really good talent in the state this year. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'll pick him number one next year. So we're lucky. We're going to have a lot of fun covering college football this year. There's a lot of people to watch. Um, Yeah. So I'm super excited. All right. The last thing I want to talk about before we uh, sign out for the night. Yes. Um, Game of Thrones. Okay. This was a big part of the beginning of this podcast because we were doing a weekly we weren't even talking sports at the <laughs> beginning good, of this podcast yeah. we were doing weekly game of thrones recaps um featuring um you know all the diehard fans that we have at the in the ksl sports department whether it was the lord commander nate dowdle or uh or uh captain matthew l glade or jeremiah jensen um yeah it, it was a very important part in the founding of this podcast very important part still it influences, you know, part of the reason that we established this was the pop culture aspect that we get to yeah. touch on and kind of tying it into sports. This doesn't have to do with sports, but George R.R. R. Martin, um, he's the uh, the writer of the books uh, that Game of Thrones is based on, um, A Tale of Ice and Fire and Ice, Ice yeah. and Fire, whatever it is. Um, so he's, the, okay, so he still has two more books to write. Yes. He hasn't written them, and the season, the TV show is over. Yes. So... What's the deal with, with George R. R. Martin? So the reason we're talking about George R. R. Martin is because he came out and said that the TV show existing ruined his book series. That is crazy. So because he had to put the books on the bookshelf, yeah, pun intended, um, <laughs> for you know seven years to help create this TV series, he hasn't been able to finish, and it's upset a lot of fans. Sure. Um, I my my ties to ga- the Game of Thrones universe are the books. Yeah. I didn't read I didn't watch the TV series until the last season, but I read the books and I was very familiar with the storylines because of that. Um I was always so optimistic that he'd be able to at least get one more book before the series concluded. He had a long time to do it. He had yeah. like 6 years. And like the 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 TV show ended with 8 seasons. The books ended at like season 5. Right of the series, about yeah, and so that means they had to make up stuff for the last three seasons. So 
what he said um, was, yeah, Game of Thrones wasn't very good for me. And they did have to kind of write based on like what um, uh, D&D wanted to do for um, the series. And the, so the he producers said... producers of the series. Yeah, the producers of the series, the showrunners, um, they had to go kind of with like how they thought that things were going to end. Um, and... George R. R. Martin does say that like having like the ending out for the TV series is kind of liberating because he can still write what he wants to do for the books um, and end it in his own way. Yeah. Um, so he said in an interview with The Guardian um, that he is still sticking to his original plans for the remaining books in the series. Um, and he stressed that the controversial conclusion of the show will have no effect on what he's writing. And whatever the ending is, he's not revealing it. <laughs> okay. Um he took himself out of um, all of the controversy that was sparked the finale. He said that some of the theories that people have are right. Some of the theories are wrong and we'll have to wait until he finishes to find out. So check back in 10 years when he finally finishes his friggin' books and we'll know exactly what he means. But yeah, I mean, he talked about like kind of the fame. He's very recognizable. Sure. Um, He said he can't even go to bookstores anymore without like being harassed by fans about like, what do you think about the ending or like, when are you going to finish your books? And so I, I can't imagine like what it would be like to be like a guy who's kind of like a recluse and a hermit who is writing these, these long detailed novels for all these years and going out in public and you're a major celebrity now. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, Oh, I'm so sorry for all the money yeah. that you have and all the fame and notoriety. No, Wipe I your get tears it. with your thousands and millions of dollars that you're getting. Yeah. For doing nothing. He hasn't finished the last two books and he's a millionaire. Yeah. That's the, that's the, my problem with it. And so I don't know. I feel like he's kind of, he hasn't finished a book since 2011. Oh my gosh. And he's promising year after year. It's frustrating as a fan of the books to have this happen. And when we talked to Nate Dowdle about it, go back and listen to our episode with Nate Dowdle. He talked about how frustrating it is to not have the books finished. And because the books as good as the series was, by all accounts, the books are amazing. Yeah. The books are really good. The detail that they go into. and Books are always better. Yeah, the books are always better. And so, like, I think, you know, he better finish these friggin' books. I feel like he's going to die before he finishes the last two books, which would be awful because then we'd have two crappy endings to the series. Oh, let's just not even talk about okay. that. But anyways... um, is there anything else you want to talk about pop culture wise? Uh, you know what? Um, what what series have you been watching? I know you've been watching Hard Knocks. Yeah. Uh, my main takeaways: I think the Raiders are going to be pretty good this year if they can get rid of AB. AB's a horrible team. He's awful. He's like no re no wonder the Steelers traded him for like nothing. You know, change you know just for like change. Like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> He's causing so many problems. Like, this helmet thing is just stupid. I get the comfort, like, wanting to uh, be able to, like, wear the helmet that you're familiar with. But, like, he's blocking people on Twitter. The GM had to came out, come out and, like, release a statement. Jeez. It's a complete sideshow. And, you know, it was cute at first. Yeah. But it's a distraction now at this point. And there are people whose careers and money are on the line this yeah. season. Derek Carr and um, John Gruden mainly. For sure. Like, when you put the type of money that's being invested in them and you aren't performing... Yeah. It's... And they gave up so much for this guy. Yeah. 
They gave up so much for this guy. Yeah. And um, it's just, you know, it makes me kind of think, what did the Steelers know? That they well, off- they knew. I mean, he was bad mouthing Juju Smith Schuster. <laughs> He's throwing footballs at um, Ben Roethlisberger. Like he was a problem. Like, but but they get rid of AB and Le'Veon Bell. Well, all the focus was on Le'Veon Bell because his was completely public because he sat out. AB True. kept playing, but there were so many problems and storylines going on behind the scenes that were distracting that team. I'm sure they are so happy to be rid yeah. of those two. Yeah, for sure. As talented as they are. It's kind of like good riddance. Like, yeah. we're ready to move on from you. And the Raiders just have become a sideshow in the last couple of years. Like, they can't afford to have this. And so I'm interested to see how um, the storylines continue to develop through the last three weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been watching uh, the new Amazon series, The Boys, which is oh, kind cool. of a fun um, spin on, uh, like, the superhero phenomenon. Like, I like it. They kind of like make fun of like the whole Marvel and DC cinematic universe. Um, it is very TVMA, so just a heads up, especially language wise and violence wise. Yeah. Um, prepare yourselves if you guys haven't watched it. Um, if you go into it, like just know if Zach's recommending this to you, like he at least <laughs> gave us like a warning that what was included. Like it's very graphic, very violent, very also, gory. This is coming from the Game of Thrones guys, so. You know what you're yeah. going to do. <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 a very fun show, but just expect a lot of language and a lot of um, uh, gore and violence and yeah. stuff like that. Um, do you have anything else that you've been watching? No, that's it. I okay, mean, I saw Hobbs and Shaw, loved it. Um, I watched the Carolina Panthers um, show. It was kind of like hard. All or nothing. All or nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think my TV watching is done for the season. Football yeah, season we're done. We were talking with Jeremiah earlier. Like Jeremiah was like, yeah, I'm not going to a movie until February. Very accurate. I was actually Very trying to make true. plans with my wife to go see once upon a time in Hollywood this week. It's not, not going to happen. happen. Um, we're not going to be able to see it until it comes out digitally. <laughs> like I'm now going, um, we joked, um, over the course of this podcast that like, Hey, mooling a movie is like yeah. waiting until like it's been out digitally for two years before you see it. That's gonna happen. I'm now in that um, same camp because I have a kid, so yeah. love him to death. Um, it's a lot of fun to be a parent, but at the same time, with this job and being a parent, you don't get a lot of free time to do yeah. stuff that you enjoy, which is a lot of times just spending time with your spouse. So yeah. um, I, I think that's all we have for today. So let's get out of here. Um, yeah, let's get home. It's three a.m. And uh, we both have got to drive really far. So thank you for listening to Sports Beat After Hours if you've been listening. I am Heaven Hamouli Jr. He is Zachary Hicken. We love you guys. Good night, everybody. Sleep tight. And uh, we'll see you next week sometime. 